Welcome. Church of the Advent is an Anglican congregation in Denver, Colorado, that seeks to share in the life of God by redefining and reorienting everything around the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope you are challenged, encouraged, and move closer toward the gospel by this week's message. So this, this story we've just read, the, the walk to Emmaus, it really orients our life, our, our whole life, our church's life around the table of the Lord. Um, some of you were here at the annual meeting. You got a little bit of a preview of what's to come, but this is where we're going. We're going to orient our life around this table. So imaginatively jump into the story with, with me, if you would. And you're walking with Cleopas and this other disciple who may have been Cleopas's wife, Mrs. Cleopas. Um, there, there they are. And they're walking, we read. And where are they walking? To Emmaus. And where is Emmaus not? Jerusalem. So they're walking away from Jerusalem to Emmaus, seven miles. And in Luke's symbolically rich storytelling, Jerusalem is the spiritual center. Everything is being pulled towards Jerusalem with this spiritual gravity. That's where it all happens. That's where salvation is enacted. But here, like Adam and Eve in the garden, the couple's walking in the opposite direction, away from salvation. The church fathers and others have seen that the Emmaus Road here in Luke 24 needs to be read alongside, of all things, Genesis 3 and the story of the fall. Because when you do, you read these stories side by side, you see that the Emmaus Road is the story of you and me and of humanity and of the church and of all of salvation history. And so the story of Eden and the story of Emmaus both begin with this couple walking away from the spiritual center, walking away from life, away from salvation. So in Eden, God and man are walking together, but man walks away. How? They eat wrongly. They grasp after a feast that is forbidden. And then they're in exile. They're no longer walking with God, and they're wandering away from his life and his purposes and his salvation. So we're to see in this, you and me and your neighbor, and I have here Tom Hanks and Taylor Swift because there's a lot of T's. Um, but, but the point is, everyone, you're to see the story of humanity, all of us broken, grasping after what we think is going to satisfy us, wandering away from him, going our own way. That's what we do. But now look what happens. Not exile, as in Eden, but accompaniment. Jesus, as God, is again walking now with man and woman. And in Genesis 3, the NRSV says, he walked with them in the cool of the evening breeze. Well, here in Luke verse 29, we read again, it's evening. And they're walking along, God and man, to their destination. So imagine Jesus drawing near to these confused disciples. And as you picture this image, that is an icon. That is an image of the fall beginning to be undone, of exile ending, of God once again walking with his people side by side. So just take a minute and let this icon, this image, just comfort you. Think of the ways this week you've been wandering You've been walking away from the spiritual center. You've been moving away from spiritual life. And what does Jesus do? He comes near. He walks with you. And he asks, as he does here, questions. What are you up to? What are you thinking about? Let's talk. And so in response, Cleopas answers, well, I'm thinking about Jesus of Nazareth. And he, re he recounts all these things that are, that are true, accurate. A mighty man, a crucified prophet. We had hoped he was the Messiah. There's whispers he's resurrected from the dead. And yet for all this accurate information, he's walking away. He's walking away from Jerusalem still. He knows all about Jesus and what has happened, but he doesn't yet know there is in Jesus. And that's the point. Knowing about Jesus is part of the journey. 
Knowing Jesus is the destination. Knowing about him, it's part of our journey, but knowing him is the destination. And many of us, including myself, who are kind of intellectually oriented and we're, we're modern Western folks and we like to think, you know, the Emmaus Road kind of ends. We, we, we know all about Jesus and we're comfortable there. But the invitation is to keep walking, not to intellectual understanding, but beholding Jesus as we're about to see. The Son of glory, the way, the truth, the life, cherishing him, praying to him, interacting with him, loving him, reorienting everything around him. That's the goal of the Christian life. Well, the first step, as we've already seen, is, is Jesus draws near. And we see in that that grace is always initiating. It's always his initiative. We're wandering away, and he comes and walks alongside of us. In other words, he welcomes us. He welcomes us into his presence. And that's where it begins. And so our liturgy begins there. Our liturgy begins by acknowledging we've been welcomed to the presence of God. So from the moment you got up this morning out of bed and you brushed your teeth, hopefully, then <laughs> you made your way into this room, immediately what do we say? Blessed be God. And, and to you our hearts are open because we realize we're in the presence of God. He's welcomed us into his presence. So we begin there. Then what? The next thing Jesus does is he opens the scriptures. Verse 27, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The entire Old Testament interpreted as being about Jesus. If there's one conversation in history I'd really love to be a part of, that might be it. But all this is sort of preparatory work for what is to come. You know, in the opening words of God, the people of God, sorry, in opening the scriptures, Jesus is preparing these disciples to receive even more. Their hearts are burning within them, we learn. And so our liturgy opens with welcome, but what does it do next? It quickly moves to where we are right now in this moment, the liturgy of the word. The word is read, the word is preached. Then what happens? Next, the scriptures prepare for a more intimate encounter still. They invite this stranger in for dinner. His identity is still veiled to them. But finally, when Jesus took and blessed and broke and gave the bread, we read in verse 31, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. So think about it again. Eden, they grasped after forbidden fruit, the forbidden feast. Their eyes were opened to their shame, their sin, their nakedness. And here, at the end of the road to Emmaus, they received. That's why we always come to communion this way, receiving they received the blessed bread, and their eyes were opened, not to their sin and shame, but to their Savior, to their salvation. Do you see? It's reversing the curse. It's reversing the story of Eden. From exile now to accompaniment, from grasping after the forbidden bread to receiving the blessed bread. Of course, this language of eyes being opened, is, it's metaphorical. Their eyes had physically been opened, but now the spiritual sight they have the spiritual faculties opened, and that's actually what we need, not just intellectual understanding of, I get it, I get it, he was this, he was this, but we need our eyes opened by the revelation of the Spirit to the reality of the risen Jesus in our midst. And in the breaking of the bread, his heart broken open in compassion for you, for sinners like you and me, torn and ruptured in total self-giving, giving himself away completely entirely for us, to feed us, to nurture us, to sustain us, to fill us up with his own life. Meditate on the words of Jesus in John 6. I am the bread of life. He says, he says, your ancestors ate man in the wilderness, they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and that bread I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And so this table behind me has a gravity. 
Just like in the story, the table at Emmaus at the end of that road is pulling the whole story along towards its destination when their eyes are open and they behold Jesus, this table in our liturgy every Sunday is pulling us towards it. The welcome of Christ gives way to the liturgy of the word, which gives way to the liturgy of the table, where we'll go next, where Christ is finally beheld. As he is, the Savior of the world, broken, broken for you. But you can't see this with ordinary eyes. He has to open the eyes of your heart to see it. Well, then finally, Jesus vanishes from their sight. Um, Patrick preached a great sermon on this text last year. It's usually preached the third Sunday of Easter, I think. And as he was, I was revisiting it. It's a great sermon if you want to go find it on our podcast. But Patrick asks us to imagine Jesus holding the bread over the table, and then he vanishes from their sight, and the two loaves just drop down to the table. <laughs> well, think about this. Why does Jesus vanish? Well, one Catholic theologian, Hans Urs von Balthasar, Weren't you glad that's not what your mom named you? Um, He says, Jesus vanished, yes, because he disappears into the mission of the church. He disappears into the mission of the church. And so renewed by the liturgy of the word and the table, Cleopas and his wife immediately go out on mission. Look at them. They fly from their home. What time is it? We don't know. It's late. It's past dinner. The edge of night, they walk seven miles back to Jerusalem back into the story of salvation, back towards the spiritual center, testifying along the way to everyone they meet how Jesus has been made known to them, the risen Jesus and the breaking of the bread. And now notice how the scene closes with one more reversal of Eden. That's it right there. In Eden, the forbidden feast led to exile, led to wandering. And what here? At Emmaus, the blessed bread sends the disciples flying back towards the center of the story, towards salvation, towards community, towards mission, towards being in And so our liturgy, that's it. That's the story. There's four movements. Welcome, liturgy of the word, liturgy of the table, and the sending. That's what we do every Sunday. We're welcomed as sinners who taste forgiveness, and then we're renewed through his word and his table, and then finally we're sent out to proclaim salvation in word and deed. Have you ever uh, heard the old tale about the man whose village was flooded, who devoutly prayed for God to rescue him? And as the waters rose, a friend came by in the canoe offering help, and he says, no thanks. And then, you know, he said, no thanks, God's going to save me. And then this happens twice more. Someone comes by in a motorboat and then a helicopter, and he says, no thanks, God's going to save me. I pray he's going to answer my prayer. The man finally drowns in this little story, little parable. And upon entering heaven, he meets God, and he asks him, what's the deal? Why didn't you save me? I prayed. And then God said, I sent a canoe and a boat and a helicopter. What more do you want? And this is it's a kind of cute little parable of, of, of saying something that's really profound, actually, that God is present with us through ordinary means. We might feel like we need a, a mountaintop experience wherein God's presence is just radical and overwhelming. And, and some of you maybe come, came from these backgrounds where it felt like every time you went to church, you just had to just be like, well, sometimes that happens and that's great when it does. It's wonderful to have to feel these things, to experience God in an intimate way. But often, friends, the Spirit is just ready to feed you exactly what you need through the ordinary means of his word and his table. The ordinary means of grace. He sends the canoe, so to speak, you know? His word and his table. Because here, you are a sinner that is welcomed by his grace to taste his forgiveness. And here you are weak and needy, and you are renewed in strength. And here you are wandering and aimless, but you are fed and then sent out on mission. Every Sunday. 
So let's just continue now to walk with the risen Jesus this morning. Let's follow him now to the table. Let's behold him together in the breaking of the bread. Amen. Thanks for listening. We encourage you to take a moment to reflect on what God might be saying to you through what you just heard. For questions, additional information, and resources, please visit adventdenver.com.